0: All right, everyone. Hey, welcome to the newest episode of Heal Myself. Thank you for joining us. I'm so happy and glad that you're taking time out of your day to listen to the show. Check it out. Great. Review, subscribe. Thank you for spreading this awareness, changing, empowering, informed consent. This is changing and shifting industries, shifting people's lives. And I appreciate and thank you and love you all. What a show we have today. I'm going to go straight into the knowledge bomb. But before that, I want to let you know that I have an amazing guest. You ever hear of acupuncture? You probably did, but we're going to go really deep into the nitty gritty and a really good uh, product review about diapers. So let's go right into the knowledge bomb. All right, look, today's knowledge bomb is going to be a really important one because this week I had put up a whole series of stories on how industry markets to children. And it's really important for parents and soon-to-be parents or just everyone to understand the psychology behind it because children are sick. Our children are very sick right now. So marketing agencies, they utilize psychology, particularly child psychology, to understand how to target these kids. And this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Multi-billion dollars. There's a lot of money to be made off children, all right, and adolescents. So we need to understand what's being put out there and how to make interventions, okay? Uh, because it's a, tight, it's a tight grip right now that this industry can have on our kids and it's leading to illness, right? Obesity has tripled in the past four decades, tripled. Nine million obese kids are around right now and 15% are at risk to become obese. Now by obese, I mean obesity is referred uh, to as child and youths who have a body mass index equal to or greater than the uh, 95th percentile for their age or gender. Um, And we're seeing more and more of this. And it has long-term, acute and long-term implications, right? So if the obesity level continues... At this current state, the lifetime risk of being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes at some point in their lives will be 30% for boys and 40% for women. Type 2 diabetes in children has more than doubled, more than doubled in the past decades. That's pretty terrifying because type 2 diabetes is no joke. The complications that come from it are expansive and devastating. Uh, so the average weight for a 10 year old boy increased from 74.2 pounds in 1963 to nearly about 85 pounds in 2002. And the average weight for a 10-year-old girl went from 77.4 pounds, right, back then in 1963 to 88 pounds in 2002. That's that's, that's significant. So you might say, well, okay, uh, children are eating more. They have more access to nutrition. And it's true, right? Because children are actually about an inch taller than back then. But it's disproportionate amount of weight to the height that's grown. So, uh, And there's there's, those statistics about 15-year-old boys and girls, the same thing. We're starting to see increased amount of weight, too much weight for the amount of height that we've grown um, as children and adolescents, right? So adults are on average one inch taller, as I mentioned, that they were in the 1960s, but now they're 25 pounds heavier. It's too much, okay? So uh, one million. 12 to 19-year-olds in the United States have metabolic syndrome. Now, this is a nasty syndrome, right? So it's three or more of these abnormalities. So if, if you have a kid who or an adolescent who's getting their blood work and they have elevated blood triglycerides, low HDL, high fasting glucose or high blood pressure, you only need three of those four to be diagnosed with metabolic disease. And metabolic disease sets the climate for a ton of issues at that point and down the line. So uh, this is what we need to be avoiding because... We can't be bringing in a generation of really sick children because now they're estimating, as Dr. Andrew Will was saying, that uh, the children are estimated to die before their parents now for the first time ever. That's crazy. So there was a report in 2004 by the Dietary Guidelines Committee, and what they identified was sufficiently low levels of calcium, potassium, fiber, magnesium, and vitamin E in children and elevated amounts of saturated fats, trans fats, sodium, sugar, really big issue. Um, They also found for the girls Uh, Low amounts of uh, iron and folic acid. So there's there's a giant report out, and you can see it. It's called marketing, uh, food marketing to children and youth, and it's about 500 pages. And what we see, and I'm just going to give you the big, really important points, is not only are children eating more calories over the over the past 25 years, but a large proportion of these calories are coming from foods and beverages high in calories, yes, and low in nutrients. So over the past 20 years, these children are having more and more and more carbs. They're increasing. And these are simple carbs, not nutritious plant-based carbs. There's a total amount of fat and saturated fat remains the same. And that's by the same, I mean, exceeding levels of dietary recommendations. This has been for years and years and years. Children are being really, really sick, uh, undernutritioned, and having these lack of nutrient uh, and creating this climate in their body that is making them sick, obese, and predisposed to type 2 diabetes. And lastly, what they saw, approximately one-third or more of their calories are derived from foods purchased outside of the home. So we got to get to cooking at home more for these kids, right? Nearly one half of which are obtained at full-serve restaurants, right? And quick-serve restaurants. So That's meaning that we're getting food higher in sugar, higher in sodium, higher in fat, like trans fats, okay? And more processed, of course. So most preschool children consume uh, added sugars well above the suggested limits. And older older children and adolescents consume about double the amount of suggested limited added sugars. Uh, the mean intake of sodium, as I mentioned before, to, for children in use has uh, increased over the past 35 years. And the majority of children in use are consuming sodium way past the recommended levels. So when it comes to breakfast and studies, we see that children who eat breakfast, we, there's a lower BMI. There's a lot of children skipping breakfast. So this is where these cereal... Uh, the the cereal industry basically, or the high sugar cereal industry, saw a move where, okay, well, let's utilize this whole children uh, lose weight if they eat breakfast. Breakfast is a part of a healthy diet. Let's use that as our angle to come in, uh, use faulty methodologies and say, hey, children need to be eating our cereal for breakfast. So, um, I want to go into that. There's a, there was a study in the Journal of uh, Environment and Behavior, and it's called, Why is Captain Crunch Looking Down at My Child?, which is a really cool study that I saw. But what they found was cereal boxes are strategically placed at supermarkets at a height and an angle such that the children's eye make contact with the cereal mascot. Well, why is that important? It's because when you measure the angle, and that angle is everything the eye contact increases brand trust by 16%. So it's no mistake, these companies' marketing uh, departments are making these big moves to make sure that their mascot is making eye contact with your child right? Such that it's creating more trust. And these children now autonomous than ever are saying, Hey mom, I want this now. I want this now. I want this now. And I'm not villainizing companies for clever marketing, but I am villainizing, uh, shitty quote unquote foods using clever marketing to make our kids sick. It's important. Cause I mentioned how big that industry is. The, the, the buying capacity, it's a $200 billion industry for children, uh, for everything, not just food, but for everything. So you better believe that researchers are using their highest level of uh, resources to make sure that they can get. So other strategies, I mentioned that eye contact strategy, Has pestering power. As I mentioned, children are very autonomous right now. So their their access to visual stimulation and influence is huge, right? So these companies are relying on their purchasing power that they're able to go to their parents and say, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Um, Psychology, they're bringing in top psychologists to better understand how children develop, um, what are their social and emotional needs, and fantasies. They have to play to their fantasies. And brand recognition is huge. Did you know that a child at six months can already recognize a logo or a mascot on a cereal box, which is crazy. And they know this and they know it well and they utilize it well because they leverage it to make sure that your kid, when they see when they see that mascot, they go, okay, look, that mascot's colorful. It's playing to my fantasies, emotional needs. I want it. I need it. And that's just from the visual cues. When they're eating that food, they're becoming chemically addicted to the food too. So me as a kid, I mean, if you think about when you were a kid, if someone showed you a flashcard of like Captain Crunch, you'd know immediately and you'd be able to yell it out, Captain Crunch Or, or Fruity Pebbles, you know, the Flintstones. This is not by mistake. This is the power of marketing. And lastly, there's commercialization in education. So basically what they're doing is bringing all of these foods, making contracts with the schools such that from a young age you're exposed and you see uh, there's like an implied endorsement by authority when you're young that's saying, okay, look, if it's in the school, it could be a subconscious as you get older, maybe more conscious connection, but saying, look, if it's in the school, must be safe, my authority figures are looking out for me. It's pretty brilliant. Um, so with issues with the children is that they lack the defenses or skills to discriminate between commercial and non-commercial content, especially when you're under seven. You just see it and you don't know that from reality or not reality, What you don't see intention. Um, and as a result, we can't comprehend, children can't comprehend the nature or the purpose of the advertising. So boom, they're prime targets. There was a study that found that children uh, consume 14% more high-sugar cereal brands per every 10 ads they see in a week. And when the amount of ads was doubled the amount of consumption was doubled. So as a kid, if you tell me, I saw an episode of Doug, Darkwing Duck, and All Real Monsters, I already seen six commercials. Now we're talking about 10 commercials in a week, I can see six commercials in an afternoon. Do you see how incredible this marketing is? So stay away from high sugar cereals, I'm talking about high sugar cereals are the worst, that in a, like, across the board. They're low in fiber, they're super processed, they have preservatives, chemicals, toxins, food coloring, I did a whole show on food coloring, check that out, and they have just really poor nutritional value. The Environmental Working Group did an analysis of over 1,500 cereals, right, including more than 180 children's cereals. Uh, And what they showed was something pretty interesting. A child who eats a bowl uh, a day for a year ends up consuming 10 pounds of sugar. 10 pounds of sugar. Now, here's another clever part of the marketing. A cereal box will have a serving size that no one eats, right? Maybe like like a quarter of a cup or a quarter of a quarter of a cup, but measure... Just if you have a cereal bowl, fill it up and see how many cups fit in that. You'll see that translation on the nutritional facts, and you'll see that it's way more sugar than you anticipated. That's clever too, okay? So Dr. Andrew wheel the father of integrative medicine, he's down in Arizona. He, did a, he said a quote uh, based on this Environmental Working Group article, and he said, 50 years of nutritional research has confirmed that sugar is actually the single most health destructive component of the standard American diet. The fact that children's breakfast cereal is about 56% sugar by weight and many others are not far behind should be a cause for national outrage. And he's right. He's right. That's a big, big issue. He also said, it's been said that the exploding rates of obesity and type two diabetes in today's children will lead them to be the first Americans in history who have shorter life spans than their parents, which was what I mentioned before, which is really terrible to hear. Um, so you'll recall, I said type two diabetes has doubled in the past, it's unprecedented because now kids are at risk for strokes, heart attacks, eye and kidney disease, peripheral artery disease, dementia, cancers, this is no joke. A quote from Marion Nestle, one of my favorite people at NYU, uh, she said, cereal companies have spent fortunes, fortunes on convincing parents that a kid's breakfast means cereal, period, and that sugary cereals are fun, benign, and all kids want to eat. You see it on a commercial, right? There's a round table of four or five kids, and they're eating, and they're laughing, and you know the mascot pops out of nowhere, and they're like, whoa, Fred Flintstone. Well, there you go. The claims that these industries make are poor methodology. They're poorly funded. It's It's just, to me, it's preposterous that these companies can say eating cereal for breakfast will cause your kid to be healthy and lose weight because it's not true. So I wanted to mention 10 of the worst cereals that the Environmental Working Group found. The top one was Kellogg's Honey Smacks, that's 55.6% sugar by weight, Post Golden Crisp, uh, Fruit Loops, uh, Quaker Oats Captain Crunch, uh, Captain Crunch original, uh, Quaker Oats O's, Kellogg's S'mores, Apple Jacks, and Captain Crunch berries. I heard of most of those. Actually, actually ate most of those when I was a kid. But um, all of those are from fifty-five point six to forty-one point four percent sugar by weight, unprecedented. So, what do we feed our kids? Why don't we start with fiber? Fiber being one of the most important nutrients for child child development, the development of their gut. So make sure that, and it'll keep them satiated until lunch. So what you want to do is get, if you need cereal, go to Whole Foods, get an organic cereal, get one with less sugar. I mean, even, I mean, it's not the best, but they have those whole lines of what are they called? Uh, Panda puffs or koala crunch or whatnot. I forgot the name of the company, but still better, still has sugar, so better. But really, if I had a kid, I'd, I'd give them oatmeal in the morning with uh different color fruits in it, uh, making sure that if they they want sweet, adding a little bit of organic maple syrup or stevia, really easy. Um, Breakfast shouldn't be really that hard. You know, if you're having fiber, different color fruits or vegetables, your kid will be happy, your kid will be fine. Train their palate early so they can appreciate these foods. All right, all right, today's product review. I'm really excited to talk about this. We're getting back on the product review game. We got every single product review set for the next few months. So rest assured, I am going hard on these. All right, so check it out. Diapers. A lot of new parents out there, a lot of soon-to-be parents, and uh they want to know about diapers. And when I put up that post saying, What do you want to see reviewed? diapers was all over the place. So uh let's talk about it. W- babies are sensitive. We know that. They're developing. They have a developing immune system, organs, neurological system, everything. They are are developing. When you think about populations with sensitivity in medicine, you always think about the babies, the youth, and the elders, okay? So it's going to be this population that is particularly even more sensitive to chemicals, all right? So look, I'm alive. I wore probably Huggies or Pampers or whatever it was when I was a kid, and I'm here, but... A lot has changed since 1984, 85. A lot. And I'll tell you why. Our allostatic load, meaning the things that we're exposed to, has changed. Food has become worse. So we have to start thinking about when people say, look, we've tested uh, Pampers and we tested Huggies, and we found that, yeah, they have toxins, but it's at a low level, it's fine. It doesn't work that way. We have to think about all of these exposures as a whole. And that's called, and we had Dr. Esposito on the show and he mentioned something about allostatic load and he was right. That's basically the cup filling up of all these toxins and, and all of the things that are really burning our body. And when that cup fills up, that manifests as disease. So I wanna talk about something. Pampers and Huggies, we, those are the most popular ones. And I mentioned the, the, the on a vacuum, these toxins, but we have to think about a whole, the allostatic load. The environmental working group, Okay, they did a study and they found that 287 chemicals were detected in umbilical cord blood. We know that about 180 of those chemicals cause cancer to humans and animals. And we know that 217 of them are toxic to the brain and the nervous system. And 208 of them cause birth defects and abnormal development in animals. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is, Already when the baby's born, they're exposed to minimal 287 different toxins. Now they didn't mention heavy metals. Heavy metals are a whole nother thing. You wanna detox mercury out of your body, have a baby because it goes right to the placenta into the baby. So now we have an environment and look, wonderful. The body's amazing at detoxing, but now you have a predisposition for these babies. What I'm trying to say is why not control what we can and if we can give these babies really good diapers, then let's make that move. So. By law, diaper manufacturers are not required to disclose diaper ingredients at all. Even worse, there's very little research on the ingredients, right? This is why if you go to the Pampers or the Huggies website, you ain't going to find a full list of the ingredients or the chemicals that are in there, which is already concerning. So what are the chemicals in there or what are we concerned about to be in there? Fragrance and lotions. How many times do I talk about fragrance? That's thousands and thousands of different chemicals. Potentially, it's an umbrella term. You don't want those synthetic smells, those synthetic chemicals, because they're definitely not coming from something like essential oils, right? Chlorines and dyes. The diapers are bright white. Why? It's dyed, it's dyed with chlorine. Think about tampons, think about coffee filters that are bleached. Remember, I talk about bleach. Remember, I talk about that chemical in bleach. If you recall, it's called dioxin. Dioxin is one of the worst chemicals that are known to man. It's pervasive, it's omnipresent, it's a horrible chemical. So what we wanna do is if, and and we can already assume that all diapers are bleached with chlorine, then the byproduct is gonna be dioxin. If I have a baby tomorrow, and I hope I'm not, that's a big issue. I love babies, but not, not yet. So VOCs, volatile organic compounds. Remember I talked about those? Toluene, xylene, ethyl benzene. Do those sound familiar? If you do listen to the show, you would have heard me talking about those when I talked about what goes in your home. Couches, rugs, all those toxins. Remember, the off-gassing chemicals will also, they're concerned to be in diapers. So we have to think big picture, right? Polyurethane. I just did a show on beds. The reason why... I mentioned to get off of these toxic beds and to go into cleaner beds, polyurethane and fire retardants, but polyurethane was one of the big ones. Well, the concern is now that they're in diapers. So think about a kid, right? Is diaper rash just a mechanical issue with the diaper or is it the body, the baby sensitive physiology and biochemistry reacting to those toxins that are in the diaper, right? Or how about that there's rashes in other parts of the body? Let's say eczema. How do we not know that it's not the body responding to those chemicals that are in the diaper? So let's think big picture. If we can make an intervention by just getting a cleaner diaper, paying a little bit more money, then for me, that's that's a no brainer, right? But really the the main part of diaper that's even more concerning is the absorbent part, the disposable part. And a lot of these disposable diapers have um, this gel, and it's called the superabsorbent polymers. These are these gel crystals that suck up basically when a baby pees, it's, it's, it still doesn't go through the diaper, which is great in a, a, when you think about the concept, right? Logically, but this can cause a lot of painful and painful itching and skin bruising for the baby, or skin burns for the baby. Uh, so this is a big part of why we see diaper rash. So. A lot of these better options that I'm going to mention and the list doesn't just stay there, but there's a lot of really good options. Um, When I looked, and it's unfortunate because I haven't found one that is boom, like slam dunk, the best of the best, but here are some better options. When it comes to diapers, literally changing to a better option is a huge, huge change. So just rest assured, even if you're doing a better option, it's much better for the child. Earth's best, 365, which you find at Whole Foods, Natty, Honest, Bambo are all pretty good diapers that I came across. I remember I worked at a, a pharmacy once and there was this guy who would just buy honest diapers by the bulk and they would be they would be running out it would be like the hottest thing at the at the pharmacy and I guess he did his research too and he and he probably was well aware about all of this before I was and now you all are but um, yeah he was he was one of the biggest customers and uh, Jessica Alba owes him a, a free set of diapers for the amount of money he put into that company. So anyway, back to um, back to the diapers in itself. No fragrance, all of these, um, which is huge. Remember, I talked about all the chemicals. No dyes, no chlorine, latex, right? No latex. So those who do, latex can be a big allergy, especially for kids. Um, for the Honest brand company, it says it's free of heavy metals. I mentioned Jessica Alba because she's apparently the creator of Honest, I believe, or the CEO. Um, says that it's free of heavy metals. And also PVC. PVC is that chemical that I talked about that lines your shower curtains. It is really nasty. Um, it's free of that. It has uses plant-based materials on the inside and the outside. Although it's wheat and corn, which can uh, some people can have, some kids can have an allergy to, or babies. Um, and it has minimal uh, super absorbent polymers. Uh, Bamboo, which is one that I mentioned too, is said to be free of all the dangerous chemicals: chlorine, phthalates, organotoxins, beautiful heavy metals, beautiful formaldehyde, azo pigments, PVC. So and there's another one that i found andy panda which is similar to this too i didn't mention that one in the in the first list but regardless keep this in mind look as long as it's not pampers or huggies and you're changing to at least a company that is aware of why there are issues with diapers and minimizing or getting rid of those things in the diaper then your baby's already on a good foot right we can never ever Block, And I know how precious a newborn is. We can never block the newborn from exposures. That's the world doesn't work that way. The body is so sophisticated, but let us do the things that we can do. So that's why I do these shows so we can at least perpetuate health from adults all the way to newborns. So I really hope that helped. I can't wait to get the special guest in. We're going to be talking about so much. I want to learn about acupuncture more and y'all need to learn about it too. Much love. All right, everyone, today's special guest, very, very special guest, Dr. Cara. She is an acupuncturist from Beverly Hills, if you pay attention. I've never done a show on acupuncture, but today we're going to learn everything about it because it's so beneficial. I've done it for so long. Thank you, doctor, for coming in.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure. Look, uh, how do we meet? A lot of people don't know how we met.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, You uh, were on Olivia's podcast, Mm -hmm. right, which just came out.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited. What's the juice? To, yeah, which is all really the blowing episodes.
0: up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm done with the podcast. You're walking in, or yeah. was it vice versa? You were? Um,
1: no, I was just finishing. Yeah, you were just and finishing. And You were the next, the next yeah. one
0: up. So, so I'm getting ready to come up, and we're, we're chit chatting before I go. And I'm like, oh my god, come on my show because acupuncture is so important. Yeah, it's a modality that I haven't spoke about because I don't know enough about it to speak really mm-hmm. well. But, but you practice in Beverly Hills. You've been doing it for how long?
1: Um, about 10 years now.
0: 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And what really drew you in about acupuncture instead of, like, every other modality that we have? What was yeah. it about acupuncture that really brightened you up?
1: Um, so, actually, both my parents are acupuncturists. Oh, wow. I literally grew up in this. It's, like, in okay. my blood. Okay. Uh, so, I've been around it my whole life, and, like, after... Like um, I was a figure skater for 10 years. So growing up with sports injuries, like always getting treatments and getting healed real quick. My dad would treat my friends and I would watch him give the treatments, you know, acupuncture for sports injuries. And after I was finished skating, I, you know, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I liked the body, but didn't know specifically kind of where I would go with that. And I chose acupuncture.
0: Really cool. Yeah. And that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And since then, have you seen acupuncture really make a difference in people's lives?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sure mm-hmm. you saw
0: it even when you were. Yeah. Young yeah so I like
1: would it. like, after school, go to my parents' office. I remember like sitting on my mom's lap because she would like be checking out the patients and just seeing the patients come out, you know, feeling, feeling good, so looking great. good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, I guess. I guess, acupuncture. We all know from the surface. Or someone who's never been exposed. Mm-hmm. You're just being poked and prodded mm-hmm. with needles. But it's much more sophisticated than that. Yeah. What is the reason? What, what is the concept behind being poked and prodded with needles? Yeah.
1: Okay, so acupuncture is part of a whole healing art, like Oriental medicine or Chinese medicine. So acupuncture is one component. There's also herbology, herbal medicine, um, heat therapy, moxibustion, if, if you've seen that burning mm-hmm. herb, um, medical massage, twina, cupping therapy, and then the acupuncture portion. So there's a whole theory behind it too with the organ systems. So with acupuncture, we insert tiny little hair thin needles, and I promise it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. It's very relaxing um, to specific points that are along the body. And we call these the meridians. So there's energy channels throughout our body that are connected to different organs. And if there's an imbalance, uh, we tap into those points to harmonize the system.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And and that it's pretty interesting that uh, I always think about this. There's different Uh, ancient medicines Mm -hmm. that are pretty much speaking about the same thing. And it's that energy flow in the body and blockages, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying these needles are sort of liberating those blockages Mm -hmm. or or basically like freeing up these pathways?
1: Exactly. Yeah. You can think of the pathways uh, like as a river or LA maybe like more like a freeway. Mm -hmm. So when the cars are moving freely, like that's the energy is flowing nicely. But if there's a traffic jam, it's like it gets stuck and things get stagnated. Mm-hmm. That might be pain in the body or maybe even like an emotional blockage. And so by needling the specific point related to that function, we can help restore the balance. So really everything is about balance, like the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing the my yin-yang mm-hmm, earrings today. Really cool. So that's like the main theory in Chinese medicine is the balance.
0: Yeah. And that's amongst, again, like every ancient culture talks mm-hmm. about balance mm-hmm. um, and how good do we feel when we decide to keep our life in balance and not being excessive on anything? Exactly. But what then causes that stagnation? Is it injury? Is, can it be an emotional stagnation?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can be due to, you know, many different factors because, you know, everything is related. So yes, yeah, specifically if there's an injury or maybe chronic tightness and pain, let's say in the traps, because everyone has tight shoulders, that we call it like a blood stagnation maybe for that area. And um, if it's an emotional you know, related issue that could be a stagnation in the chest or in the heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can help unblock that.
0: So, so my experience with acupuncture was this. I, um, when I was in school, they had Mm -hmm. an acupuncture program in school Mm -hmm. and actually some of the naturopathic doctors were doing. Yeah, I think
1: Bestier has a dual program.
0: I went to, I went to the one in Connecticut, but Mm -hmm. there was, there was a dual program. And, um, after I had the death in my family, Mm -hmm. um, I developed asthma Mm -hmm. out of nowhere and, it was really interesting because it was a perfect time when we were learning about mm-hmm. traditional Chinese medicine and it talked about grief right. in the organ, in the lung specifically. Yeah. So I was, I was really intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. So I went into the acupuncture clinic and we started treating that mm-hmm. and they were getting all the points throughout mm-hmm. my chest and the rest of my yeah. body. And it was interesting because it would help. I was breathing better. And mm-hmm. I, here I am thinking that most of acupuncture is for injuries because mm-hmm. that's what I heard about it all my life. Right. So it was really interesting to see that a mental emotional shift in your body can be remedied by, you know, pins and needles. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Can you talk about how, um, does, does different emotion manifest according to Mm -hmm. TCM in the body in different places?
1: Exactly. Yes. So each organ has a specific emotion related to it. So the lung meridian and the lung organ is related to grief or sadness. Um, we have the liver, is related to like anger or irritability. Uh, the spleen emotion is worry or pensiveness. And then we have the kidney is fear. And the heart can be like excessive joy and like as in an over, like over look Overindulgence, over, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe yeah. like, um, think of like the hyperactivity. Mm.
0: Yeah. So, so So there's dysfunction in these very mm-hmm. specific organs when these characteristics or, or these, these issues come up for people?
1: Exactly, yeah. So if we have a, a grief, a loss in the family, um, our lung chi, like our lung energy can get depleted. So we feel the pulses in Chinese medicine, kind of similar to Ayurvedic medicine. Um, and it's really interesting to feel, like we really tune in and feel the qualities and we can sense if, when there's an imbalance in a certain organ.
0: Just to, just on pulse.
1: Related to the pulse, yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember learning about like the wiry pulse, like yeah. the really weak one, mm-hmm. the really strong one. So all of those coincide with sort of what you're saying along you can identify what organ is, is it off. Yeah, exactly. Oh, really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. It's great because for me, the mental emotional marker still to this day is mm-hmm. if I can't breathe well, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm not breathing well, I'm like, all right, well, there's something going on. So I mm-hmm. take that time and really I've come to the place where I could put that work and it'll liberate that energy yeah Um, but acupuncture was the first thing to show me that it can help yeah so the people who come to come in to see you—is it—is it mostly injuries or is it just a whole spectrum?
1: A uh, Whole spectrum. So a lot of people, when they think of acupuncture, they think of pain because that's where the most—I would say—the most research has been done in, mm-hmm. um, you know, showing good the effectiveness research too. For, yeah, for I've pain. seen it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's some great research out there, um, but it really treats all the internal conditions. So my practice is mostly women. Um, a lot of you know female women's health issues, um, from period pains to digestive issues anxiety.
0: Really beautiful. Yeah. And, and so let's say a woman is coming in with really tough periods. They have mm-hmm. cramping, a heavy flow mm-hmm. through acupuncture. You can open up that meridian to help that flow be, so, be remedied. Yeah. Is so there's a few
1: meridians involved with kay. that, but we'll, you know, we go through detailed history and questions. So like specifics about what temperature drinks you have, mm-hmm. um, to yeah the quality of the flow. And you know, there may be a blood stagnation in there, or like if the pain is, is sharp, and then if it's more of a dull, there might be a deficiency. So we look at the excess and deficiencies and balance them
0: out. Okay. And that's yeah. also with the pulse. Yeah. So within the TCM context, mm-hmm. uh, is, is there a very specific approach to eating as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> there's if anyone has gone to their Chinese medicine doctor, they know like we hate cold.
0: Mm-hmm. cold in general, just in in, general. even in every season, it doesn't matter. Cold. Yeah, is... I
1: mean, some people can get away more with cold if they have run really hot. But in general, for most people, eating more warm cooked foods, not adding ice into your drinks can help just like significantly mm-hmm. by changing a few little things.
0: Yeah. We had uh, uh, Sahara Rose mm-hmm. come in here and we spoke about Ayurveda right. and the majority of that is also like warming foods. It's very, it's similar. Eating very similar to, Mm -hmm. to you, to your body type. Um, and do you, so is that part of your practice? Also adding in like some dietary recommendations based on.
1: Yeah, we definitely do a lot of that.
0: Now, is it throughout all of TCM, like everyone is having the same rules or is it really constitutionally you're seeing?
1: It's constitutional because some patients, they may need more cooling foods. If they have a lot of heat symptoms, maybe like really inflamed skin, acne, um, we look at the tongue. So if the tongue is very like dark red, it's showing excess heat. If they mm-hmm. have trouble sleeping, a lot of anxiety, they may benefit from some more cooling foods and like mint and, um, some more like cucumber. Yeah. But if they are like freezing, they would do better with more spicy foods, mm-hmm. ginger, cinnamon.
0: Yeah. Like I, I personally just stay away from raw foods in the fall and the winter. Mm-hmm. I'm much better. Yeah. Cause I'm just a cold person in general. Yeah really interesting what you mentioned about the tongue because when we had that TCM class, I remember mm-hmm. like half the class was, like opened their phone and was looking at their tongue as oh, yeah. it was being described. But the tongue diagnosis is something that has always been intriguing to me. Can we talk about like what you look for, tongue shapes, yeah. tongue coding? What, what are some of the things because I know once you mention that mm-hmm. people listening to the show are going to pause it, like, go to the oh, bathroom yeah. and look at their tongue. Yeah.
1: The tongue is so fun to see because like it's actually an organ you can see. You know, you don't have to open you Mm -hmm. up, just like stick out your tongue. So we're looking at the color, the texture, the coating. Uh, So if the tongue is very pale, um, like a pale, very pale pink, that can indicate a blood deficiency. So we need to build the blood. Um, If it's like a normal pinkish, pinkish red, that's like good health. Mm -hmm. Um, If it has a lot of darkness and a red tip that can show some heat The tip of the tongue is the heart and lung area. So it may show maybe you didn't sleep well, not enough sleep or some anxiety or maybe like a lung condition, uh, cough, phlegm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're also looking at the the teeth marks around the edge. If you notice like you have a puffy scalloped uh, tongue that shows what we call spleen chi deficiency. And that's a weakness in the digestive system. So if you have a lot of bloating or foggy head dampness. So that dampness is like actually making your tongue thicker. And then you get the teeth marks because it's swollen. And so it's pressing up against your teeth. Um, and then we also look at the under part of the tongue, the veins
0: mm-hmm.
1: like underneath. And if those are really prominent, that shows that you probably have some pain in your body and the blood stagnation. And then when you can barely see them, that shows that things are flowing freely.
0: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's so cool because, uh, I I remember looking at my tongue myself. Mm -hmm. What about coatings?
1: Yeah, the coating too. So, uh, well, a lot of patients now, they'll scrape their tongue. Mm -hmm. So we actually liked for you to come in without it scraped. So we see what it is naturally. Like a thin coat is normal. That shows you have your, your you know, digestion is working. If you have no coat at all, like it's a mirror and really slippery, that might show a deficiency. Usually we call it like in the yin, the fluids. So, it's actually not enough energy in your digestion to bring a co- coat to the tongue. And then, if it's like very thick and greasy, um, it might indicate maybe you have some like constipation or food retention, uh, like dampness. It's just not.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. Too much and, and, and that sort of goes in line with just like Western too. It's mm-hmm. like understanding that maybe you have, you know, this overheating, uh, you're not digesting your food correctly, mm-hmm. yeast. Yeah, uh, something is fermenting mm-hmm. and we see it in the tongue pretty, pretty fast. So yeah. it's really cool how there's like that Venn diagram and right in the middle, we're just meeting and, we, you know, have all these similarities. Yeah. So then, so then what do you say about cracks on the tongue?
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so the cracks, some of it can be genetic, like just my mom has the cracks and both of her parents have the cracks, mm-hmm. you know, it could be a little bit constitutional in that way. So in that case, I would it's not as significant. Um, but if it's not genetic, that can indicate, like, if you think of those cracks as like sand valleys, mm-hmm. that's that dryness, that yin is drying up.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, here's a little thing that I used to do yeah. with myself, like a little case study. Mm-hmm. I would always, I look at my tongue all the mm-hmm. time because i scrape it in the morning, but mm-hmm. still i look at my tongue before and, um, every single time my gut is off, cause that's, I have like a weak stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always have a crack in the same exact spot on my Mm -hmm. tongue every time it was good. And this has been years of just Mm -hmm. me looking and analyzing. And, um, I don't think it's a coincidence at this point. Right. Like it's something that I really see the way my tongue reflects my digestive Yeah. Our
1: body shows us. Yeah.
0: So that's really cool that you can map that and Mm -hmm. have a better idea. Now, when you say deficiency, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Like we're not eating enough. We don't have enough vitamins, minerals. What does deficiency mean?
1: Yeah. So deficiency can mean a few different things. So there's, uh, in Chinese medicine, we talk a lot about qi and blood and like yin and yang. So for example, like a qi deficiency would be an energy deficiency. You have a lot of fatigue. So mm. maybe it, it could be due to nutrients or, or just energy in general. Mm-hmm. So we would boost your qi. Um, if it's blood deficiency, that's like that paleness. And we'll talk later about cupping and mm. like what the marks mean. Um, but yeah, it may be they actually Need more iron-rich foods, Mm -hmm. Um, and the cool thing is with Chinese medicine, we don't need to see blood work. Like it's really great, and I love like when patients go to their functional medicine doctors Mm -hmm. or naturopathic doctors to get the blood work. But for us, we just go based on like all of our asking questions and tongue and pulse diagnosis Mm -hmm. and what we see. So we can tell in that way, you know, oh, you maybe have some blood deficiency, like uh, dizziness. Like that. it's pretty things cool things because
0: like uh, when we went to new york i was talking to this tcm doctor and he checked me and he i'm like that's it you don't need any more questions mm-hmm. you like you know and he's like he was really quiet yeah. you know i don't think he spoke much english but he he was definitive in what he he knew mm-hmm. which is amazing to me yeah. um so how about now we talk about cupping because I, yeah. I i've gotten cupping um twice one time when i was in school mm-hmm. and one time late last year actually mm-hmm. and um the first time when I did it, when I was in school, I felt like I had the flu the next day, mm-hmm. and I had these really dark red marks all over my yeah. body. Now, last year when I did it, um, you couldn't even really tell that I there were like really light pink marks, mm-hmm. and I was fine. Um, so maybe you can talk to us about what that is first and foremost, yeah. and then like, what are you doing with it, and what are we looking for?
1: Right. Yeah, so cupping is such a hot topic. Everyone is really into it now. Uh, Michael Phelps, I think, really like brought it to the mm-hmm. forefront. When and he had those the marks. media, yeah, all of his marks. Um, and he's like the best Olympian of all time. Mm-hmm. So he knows what's good for him. Yeah. Uh, so cupping therapy, um, we can talk about that. Is It's an ancient tradition. It dates back thousands of years throughout the whole world. All different cultures, you can find cupping. Um, a lot of people say, oh yeah, my grandmother you know, did cupping on me. Mm -hmm. So it's really been around for a long time. And the kind of idea is to move the stagnation. So with the cupping, it increases the blood flow. So fresh oxygenated blood comes to the area to kind of flush out the tissues. So it's good for detoxing in that way. And then just relieving like muscle pains, um, you know, all the tightness tension. It's like an inverse massage. Mm -hmm. It feels really amazing. Um, And then we can also use it for like cough and phlegm to kind of expel that. And so the marks mean something. Um, they can range from no marks at all to like deep, deep dark purple. And that indicates like a severe blood stagnation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more often it's done, the lighter the marks will get. So really healthy mark would be like a light pink like you mentioned mm-hmm. your your last time. Mm-hmm. You want to see like some color then because that's showing you have the energy to like the chi and the blood. If there's no color at all, then that might indicate the, like a blood deficiency
0: for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you could see circles on my, on my body. It's really cool when you go around and like you, you, especially in the summer, you see men and women in tank tops and they have Mm -hmm. the cupping marks and Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, do you use heat when you do it?
1: Um, I do the fire cupping. Yeah. I actually created the heart shaped cups.
0: I don't Mm. know if you've seen them. No, not yet, but that's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Love cupping. Um, they were in Katy Perry's music video, which I did last year. Oh, that's amazing. Um, because a lot of people like don't really want to get cupping because of the marks, but yeah. now like hearts are cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it shows like it really indicates your health really it's it's like it's so cool. So maybe
0: I should do it again. It'll yeah. be a nice marker yeah, of like where see. I'm at and everything yeah. mm-hmm. um I saw I saw a post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't even go on Facebook. I don't know how I saw this, <laughs> but it came up and it was actually one of my former professors who was really big into TCM. Mm-hmm. She had an injury and she did cupping, mm-hmm. but there was there. I don't know where she removed the blood from, but Mm -hmm. there was blood. Okay. It was like a, it was like a, it sort of looked like a mucus plug of blood. It was congealed blood. Mm -hmm. Where'd it come from?
1: So that is called wet cupping. Um, We don't really do it in California. It was wet cupping. Yeah. It's a bit of like a gray area because we can only use acupuncture needles, Mm -hmm. but they will actually like maybe use a lancet or a little razor and make cuts in -hmm. the skin and then cup it. So uh, that's like actually bringing even see. more out. They do that a lot in the Middle East. It's mm-hmm. called hijama, mm-hmm. yeah, Cu- wet cupping therapy.
0: Uh, that's it. Was but it was really interesting. I was yeah. like, where did it come from? Yeah. And it's like a congealed blood. But where did, from did she spit the, so it out? So there
1: was actually like incisions wow. to get that up. Otherwise, like you're not gonna if you're doing dry cupping, which is what we do mostly, you're not gonna actually bleed.
0: She spoke. She she said the next day she was completely better. Yeah,
1: it, it really is. It's powerful.
0: So that I can see it's a gray area mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um. So acupuncture is. Um, and was amazing dry cupping and wet cupping amazing um what what do you could you have a story that you can share with us of someone who came into your clinic where you're like wow like that was she responded he responded Mm -hmm. so well this is like a story that i can tell my colleagues or Uh, at a conference or anything
1: that's that's a good question um So many like little ones, but I'll say actually a really significant one um, was not my patient, actually, because I mentioned my my parents are acupuncturists. So my grandpa um, had this toe pain, like big toe pain, and he went to every doctor, like it wasn't gout, you know, just, it just wouldn't go away. It was like the most excruciating pain that he could have. And there's a whole system of acupuncture called auricular therapy. Have mm-hmm. you heard of that? Right on the
0: ear. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's like reflexology, but using the ear. So the whole, like, the body's mapped out in the ear. It's a microsystem. And my dad just put one little, like, acupuncture magnet, magnet therapy on that point in the ear for the toe that's specifically related to the toe, and it completely went away.
0: Well, like, it, like within instantly. instantaneously? Yeah. That's it pretty incredible. Yeah. Wow, and it never came back. Yeah. Just via... A, it wasn't the, a needle it was no, a magnet a magnet yeah
1: wow. Microsystem, yeah
0: yeah i have seen like diagrams uh in tcm of mm-hmm. the ear mm-hmm. traditional chinese medicine of the ear and it's showing different areas mm-hmm. sort of like the feet to do that too right yeah
1: reflexology in the feet and that's why they even do in the hands there's mm-hmm. like a, everything can be mapped
0: out interesting do you do reflexology
1: um, auricular. Yeah. Auricular
0: therapy. Wow. Yeah. With the needles?
1: With needles or a little, um, actually have in here now, a little crystal with oh. a little bead, like a a bead on the backside or mm-hmm. a magnet.
0: Um, really interesting is then the, the acupressure points mm-hmm. also, uh, for the nausea. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that it's right on the wrist. Yeah. And so, you know, listeners and viewers, there's right. actually a spot. How do you describe where to press that?
1: So I describe about, well, it's your three finger width from the wrist crease or about two inches up. You can kind of just run your hand right in the middle mm-hmm. of your wrist. Um, that's where they have like some of those, uh, magnet bands for, uh, like, nausea. Yeah. Or going yeah. on
0: like C bands. Exactly. Yeah. yeah for
1: the C for the cruises or motion sickness. Um, but massaging that can really help nausea. It's also a really good point for uh, stress and anxiety, yeah. um, and digestion because it's related there. Uh, and one of the studies I like to always bring up is the functional MRI research because it's, just really kind of bridges the the ancient traditions and modern technology together. So they did a study on this point, uh, pericardium six. Um, so it's the nausea vomiting point, And they see that when this point is needled, when they're doing the functional MRI, the area in the brain, the vestibular area that's related to the nausea and vomiting lights up. So huh. it shows that connection.
0: Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy that points in our body, which we wouldn't even intend, it, it's just one unit that's circulating with energy and nerves and all these inputs and outputs but yeah. really just pressing on one part Massaging when I'm all, mm-hmm. when you know when I'm on a cruise getting yeah. getting nauseous and wheezy it's amazing that I can press that and you know
1: yeah, it works. calm
0: it down mm-hmm. which is beautiful yeah i'm i'm taken back because um <laughs> how can a how can a medical system mm-hmm. last so so yeah. long without it being powerful right and exactly. i think that when we look at integrative medicine Mm -hmm. and I push it so much, integrative Mm -hmm. medicine is that we all need to complement each other and work together to maximize Mm -hmm. these patient outcomes. So part of that is having an acupuncturist, Mm -hmm. getting cupping, getting whatever Mm -hmm. you need is indicated. Um, And I'm sure you practice the same way.
1: And so we're really like, it's going in that direction. So acupuncture used to be called alternative medicine. That Mm -hmm. was like the term. It's an alternative. Then it became more complementary. And now it really is like integrative medicine. And you're seeing it in hospitals and like people mm-hmm. are, are understanding this This really works. For
0: yeah. sure. In my residency, mm-hmm. we had three acupuncturists. Yeah. Um, and it was a cancer hospital. So mm-hmm. imagine how much pain, nausea, anxiety, everything mm-hmm. under the sun. I mean, and it was really accentuated there. And these people were like, they were like the rock stars of the whole hospital <laughs> because... We...
1: Everyone loves the acupuncturists.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes they literally go up to like some of the ICU units Mm -hmm. and go into the inpatients and just, you know, start, Mm -hmm. start putting the needles wherever it's indicated. And it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah.
1: It's powerful.
0: Very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to get back to getting, uh, acupuncture.
1: I need more acupuncture too. (laughs) So we all do. Yeah, we all do.
0: Amazing. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is I had this, um, one of my mentors he he do, he did acupuncture he's well he's a prostate doctor mm-hmm. ca- prostate cancer doctor but he would do acupuncture he'd do some points on the men who came in mm-hmm. but he'd also use like these little electrodes mm-hmm. do you know what that is
1: yeah so electroacupuncture yeah electroacupuncture yeah. so it just gives more stimulation so it's we hook it up to a little machine and it um so it gives a little impulses, electrical current.
0: Is it, is it more beneficial or maybe for some
1: For some, yeah. Conditions? Maybe some like stubborn pains. Mm. Um, yeah. Some people do a lot of electro. I personally don't use a lot of electro, but yeah. it, it can be very good. Yeah.
0: Okay. So for someone watching or listening and they want to go see an acupuncturist, mm-hmm. um, is there an official site or database that they need to look at? Or how do they know that they have someone who's yeah. good, re- reviews? Because I know some people might be scared of getting a yeah. needle right on their forehead.
1: Absolutely. Um, but actually, the face points are really relaxing. Are. Um, each state has its own regulations and boards. So you would want to make sure your acupuncturist is you know, licensed in your state. Um, It's all regulated, although there are a few like wild, wild west (laughs) states that don't have a regulatory board. Um, But I would say ask your friends, you know, for referrals, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you go to a practitioner that you don't love, if you've had acupuncture once and didn't like it, I really recommend like try it again. Try someone new, you know, find someone you connect with because that's that's a big part of it is just the whole environment
0: Mm -hmm. for the healing. I mean, when I go, they have the music on. Uh, I'm chit chatting, I'm vibing, yeah. and I was like, okay, I'm in a. It's like a. It's like I'm about to get a massage. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It should be like so relaxing. You Should be like in a little cocoon. Have the, you know, table heated, mm-hmm. everything to make you comfortable and relax. Most most patients fall asleep. Mm-hmm. It's it's that relaxing. We call it AcuLand. Like yeah, it's this You're euphoric, just in some other... dreamy um, yeah. state.
0: Yeah. Um, before we end, I, I wanted to ask one thing. Mm-hmm. What about now cosmetic acupuncture? Mm, I love I that mean, we're that over here did. in LA. It just hit me before we yeah. were going to wrap up. I go, no, no, I have to ask. Yeah. We're in LA, so mm-hmm. why not? Um, wh- what is it? Does it work? Mm-hmm. Why is it so hot?
1: Yeah, I'm so happy you asked about this uh, because it's it's really becoming popular and it's extremely effective. It's so great. It's a natural, you know, Botox alternative. So by needling the points in the face, it boosts the collagen and elastin. So like, you know, the proteins come to the area. We think of it as like a tiny little microtrauma. So the body is saying, oh, like send some blood flow, mm-hmm. send some circulation, send some of that repairing collagen um, to boost... Really, just, mm-hmm.
0: all throughout the face. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you'll keep me young if I come into your office.
1: Yeah. Well, your skin's already looking <laughs> like pretty great. I know. Uh, yeah. Olivia was talking she about did. your glow. She did mention that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's just being in the sun. Uh, the sun. Yeah. Well, but too much sun can age you. you, you know? No. Well the, you well, the sun works well for sun me. Going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Acupuncture is a great Botox alternative. Yeah.
0: Because and 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 rightfully so. I mean, people need to have an informed consent about mm-hmm. what Botox is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a toxin. Yeah. You are at risk. There are side effects, you know. Absolutely. And and they're they're not super common, but they're there.
1: And it's so sad that girls are starting so young, like in their twenties. It just like breaks my heart.
0: Big time. Yeah. Because it's becoming more and more commercialized. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other alternatives. Yeah. Would would one have to go in like every month, every few months, or just depending?
1: Um, depending, yeah. There's specific protocols, but um, yeah, you know, some consistency. It's not like a one treatment and yeah. you're young forever, you know. Yeah. But we can really help
0: build build the awesome. collagen there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, great to know for mm-hmm. all of you out there who are interested. Yeah, try some. Okay, so you are in Beverly Hills. What's mm-hmm. your social media? How can uh, people find you? Yeah,
1: website is uh, com. And then my Instagram is at doc dr a c U L A N D. Acculand. Yeah, Acculand. Everyone's <laughs> in
0: Acculand. We're mm-hmm. in there with you. Yeah. Um, okay, and any, any projects or anything coming up, just just working. Um.
1: Yeah. Just just continuing uh, doing what I'm doing and amazing. Yeah.
0: I love I love that you came on. I love that you're the first person to talk about acupuncture, and I love that you came from a lineage yeah. of acupuncturists and uh, you're carrying that legacy. So I thank you for coming in. Yeah.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Amazing convo and um, and yeah. Thank you. All right. What an amazing, amazing set right there. I was so happy to hear about acupuncture. Dr. Cara was amazing. Uh, I am going to go get some ASAP and I really hope that you all learned a lot too. Thank you for coming to the show. I hope this show was amazing for you. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, keep us going. We are going to hit 1 million downloads in a calendar year and the calendar year is in March. So we're coming close. Much love to you all.